When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Griffin Youngs, and I hope, as always, you have enjoyed your weekend. I know I did, and I have a feeling you did too, because hockey is back. The preseason has officially begun. We are two days into the books at this point. It opened up on Saturday with the Maple Leafs and the Canadiens, and we had a good schedule of games today. You have the Kraken playing their first ever game against the Canucks later on, and the Avalanche will be playing their first preseason game against Vegas on Tuesday. It just feels like things are going back to normal. We have finally made it. This offseason, granted, was a little shorter than ones in the past, but I'm talking about, like, we made it back to somewhat normal hockey. I I watched the Leafs and Canadians preseason game and it felt weird because there were fans in the stands and when a goal went in people would cheer it it honestly felt a little weird and I didn't even realize how much I really missed it I mean we had it in the playoffs for the most part and that felt better but it didn't quite feel normal if you know what I mean like it wasn't all the way there yet. I mean, in places like Vegas and other places it was, but maybe it was still just the division alignment and the fact that these playoffs were still so weird that it didn't quite feel the same, but it really kind of hit me watching this first little batch of games that things kind of are going back to normal, and we're going to have an avalanche game soon on home ice where fans are going to be there. We're going to have a home opener in well less than a month on my birthday that's going to have fans, and it's awesome. And the the NHL did the one possible thing with such a feel-good moment that they could to piss me off in that they have allowed teams to elect to have shootout practice after every game, no matter what. doesn't matter if it's tied 
doesn't matter if it's an eight nothing blowout. They can they can just go and have a shootout if they want. I am thoroughly convinced that that rule was made specifically to piss me off. I hate shootouts. Anyone who remembers the lone shootout the Avalanche had against Arizona last season, the the entire rant episode I had after that game, in full detail why I hate shootouts, I I cannot be convinced otherwise that Gary Bettman and Bill Daly tuned into that and he and elbowed each other and like, hey, you know what would be really funny if we just had shootouts after every preseason game. And I get they're meaningless and they're not actually deciding the results of these games, but I I wanted to slam my head into a table when I first saw that was going to be a thing. I hate shootouts. I'm not going to get into it why I hate shootouts again because I don't want this episode to be five hours long, but Oh my god, You've got, that's the one thing they could have possibly done to make me be like, I don't want to watch this, <laughs> is to put shootouts in every game, and like, and they can elect not to have it, but why would they not have it? Like, you're already there, you might as well get the practice, like, just the idea of practicing shootouts, because they might decide your positioning in the season, because we only have, for some reason... Five minutes of three-on-three overtime, which is not nearly enough time now that teams have figured out how to play three-on-three. So now we're going to go back to having more shootouts. Probably we started seeing it last season, and we're going to see more of it this season, that games are going to end less and less in overtime because teams have figured out how to play in it and how to play defensive in it. So until they increase the time or just get rid of shootouts entirely, it actually makes a lot of sense to do this in the preseason, which is probably why I'm upset about it, because of just the message that it gives. But anyway, I'm not going to go into detail of why I hate shootouts and everything about them, because again, that will go on for a long time. And I've got other things to talk about in this one. Some of you might be wondering why we're not doing the normal Central Division rundown like we do on most Mondays, and that's because like a couple weeks ago, I reached out to a lot of hosts, and just the scheduling couldn't work this time. I tried to get Winnipeg on here this week. I tried to get Chicago on, and just neither of it worked out this week. So what we're actually going to do is I'm going to do it myself, and we're going to be talking about the Winnipeg Jets in a little bit and doing a little preview on their season because it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to get uh, the Winnipeg guys on to the show before the season begins. So who's more qualified to talk on my show than me? So we'll talk about the Jets and what to expect from them a little bit later this episode. And next week, we'll more likely than not be talking about Chicago and what to expect from the Blackhawks this season because they are a big wild card in the central and they could be very very good and be going toe-to-toe with the abs or they could be not good at all and be looking in from the outside of the playoff picture but today we're going to be talking about the jets but we will not be talking about them yet because the avalanche have opened training camp for the first time not going to spend a ton of time on this here because much like the the rookie camp i i can't watch training camp i have to just rely on what other people are saying. It's not like they have live streams of training camp that I can just watch. So I'm gathering as much information as I can, but kind of unlike the the development camp and the rookie tournament, there's not really like big recaps and big pockets of information that I can really pick up. I mean, 
these really are just practices. I'll be able, once we get the first preseason game against Vegas, kind of see what's going on. But I've got a few things that I've gathered that we can talk about here. And I think the biggest takeaway that I have from the first couple days of training camp is that it kind of looks like Val Nachushkin has the, the inside track on that top six role that's been kind of hanging over our heads for this entire offseason. We've been wondering whether it's going to be Comfer and Newhook. Those were kind of the two finalists for me. And But it looks like it might be Val who jumps in there with Kadri and Burakovsky, or at least he has the inside track to do so if he does well in training camp or if he just, Coach Bednar, believes him to be the most logical fit. But Bednar said that he loved it when he was asked about Nachushkin on the second line. He likes Nachushkin's responsible defensively and his ability to extend time in the offensive zone. And Burakovsky in an interview when he was asked about it says that he's comfortable playing with Val. Him and Nas played with him in the past and put up some good numbers. So he said that he hopes that Val does stay on their line and that it does work out there. So all indications point to Val being the the guy at the moment, and it's going to take someone unseating him for somebody else to get it. And to be honest, I like this, and this is a great opportunity for Val to take another step in his NHL career, but we have to be real. His offense needs to take a big jump if this is going to be a, a long-term solution this season, because we know Val is great defensively. He's a great two-way forward, and if he does play on that second line, it's going to balance out that line. You've got Burakovsky, the goal scorer. You've got Kadri, who kind of sits in the middle, and you've got Val, who is way more defensive-minded. So in that sense, this could work out, but Val does need to score more if this is going to be sustainable. And to be fair, I still think that Newhook this season is going to work his way to that second line eventually. I mean, that might still be game one of the season. We haven't even played a preseason game yet. This is just what we've started out as. Bednar started Nachushkin with Kadri and Burakovsky on that second line, which is a pretty good indication that that's what he wants to do. And Newhook can still win that job, and so can Kompfer. But we're just talking like, this is what they want to do. So anyway, I love Val, and he's a great player, and I'm glad that we have him. I'm not entirely sold that this is going to work, but if it does, that's great. I mean, Val is still a young-ish player, but he is going to need to push his game a little further. Like, we always talk about most of the time players need to work on their defensive side of the puck. They need to be able to back check and do that. With Val, it's the complete opposite. He needs to be more offensively responsible. And he does that. He keeps the puck in the zone, like Bednar says. He's good at extending their shifts in the offensive zone. He just has trouble putting the puck in the net. His career high in the NHL was his rookie season with Dallas. He played 79 games and scored 34 points. And Within three years, he's out of Dallas, and he comes here, and he's been great the last two seasons, 27 points in 65 games, and last year, 21 in 55 games. It's just, 
if he's going to be that option on the second line, we're going to need to see more than just a a 25-point pace season. We're probably going to need to see closer to, to 40, really, if this is going to work. And, you know, maybe this just ends up being a revolving door the entire season. I mean, this, this is where losing Sod and Donskoy hurt you, because if you, if you somehow manage to keep one of them, this isn't a question. That's just the guy who's there. And I don't know how we would have made any of that work. I'm not going to sit here and say it was a mistake. It really wasn't even up to them. I mean, you got assets back for Graves, and that really only kind of left Donskoy exposed, and the Avalanche are a good team, so they were going to have good players exposed in the expansion draft. Nothing they could do about that. And as much as annoyed as I am that Saad got the contract that he did from St. Louis and still feel like we could have done something about it, we would still be screwed cap-wise right now, and we at very least would not be able to have signed Ryan Murray, and our defense would be weaker for it. So you have to have some kind of trade-off there. But this is where it's going to hurt you this season because, like I said, you keep Sod, you keep Donskoy, just one of them. That's just the guy you plug in right there. And I like Val a lot. Great player. I'm glad that we have him for at least another year. And we'll. I mean, this could also up his price a lot. He's an unrestricted free agent next year. And in a salary cap world, even if he does do really well, it's going to be another side of the sword that's going to come and stab us at the end of the season because we're going to have to pay him more to keep him. Or if he is going to cost too much, let him walk. I don't, just to get into that conversation way too early, I think they're going to keep him. I think you just, you find a way to keep a guy like that because there are there are teams that will pay him if he does manage to hit the free agent market. This offseason, Val's a really good player, and especially if he can make that next jump in his game this season and earn consistent second-line minutes and really gel with Kadri and Burakovsky, that has the potential to be very, very dangerous. Because for Val, like we all know, the defense is already there for him, and he has offensive potential. It is there. When he's hot, there. There are very few players on the team outside of the Stars that can score like he can. Maybe once you get past Burakovsky's Val, when he's hot, is actually a pretty damn good talent offensively. But just, it's not there often enough. And he makes up for it. He more than makes up for it with his defensive play. I don't want this to be like I'm trashing Val. Not at all. I think this is a smart move. I was never really crazy about the idea of Comfer playing on the second line, I think he's he needs to work himself to that point because he just wasn't that good last year, and I think he's going to be much better. But the fact that he was, if it wasn't Newhook, it was Comfer penciled in on that second line, I was never quite comfortable with. So to be fair, I feel better about Nichushkin getting that spot than Comfer, but I also just really like Val and Jost playing together. That's just a, a duo that I loved a lot last season. In the playoffs, in the regular season, every time they were together on that third line or just on times where they had to get bumped up to the second line together, I thought they worked really, really well together. So I'm not crazy about having that duo split up, but if Val does gel with Kadri and Burakovsky, like Burakovsky said, it worked at some points last season that has the potential 
to work. And I do still think that Newhook is going to work his way there eventually. It's just a matter of who's going to start there for Game 1 on October 13th against Chicago. And the way I see it, if Bednar already has his mind set on it, Newhook is probably going to have to blow him out of the water in order to get that spot right away. It feels like Bednar kind of has his mind made up with it. If he didn't, then he would probably be rotating guys in there right now. And the fact that he says, I love it, about Nachushkin on the second line probably means it's going to take something that he has not seen coming to unseat Nachushkin on that second line. But that's pretty much the biggest takeaway I've had from the first few days of training camp so far. My other big takeaway is that Kaut, Bowers, and Ranta have all looked pretty solid, and especially Bowers and Kaut look miles ahead of where they were last season. And that Ranta already looks this good. I like Even if they don't make the team out of camp, even if it's the exact team we expect and Maltsev gets that final spot instead of one of those three, the fact that we have those guys as depth is outstanding. And even if injuries occur during the season, which they which they will, it's an 82-game season, there's going to be ups and downs. When injuries occur this season, I am very confident that any one of those guys can step in there and make a difference. And I feel really good about Shane Bowers this season. I feel like he is going to get an opportunity in the NHL at some point, whether it's game one, game 42, or game 79, and he is going to be impressive. And he's going to make a name for himself to make the roster a lot more consistently next season. He might do that this season as well. And Martin Kaut, Bednar said it himself, he looks way better as well. And Sampo Ranta is just, there hasn't been a time from development camp to the rookie tournament to now training camp where he just hasn't looked good. He just continues to look better and better each time. And th- these are the kind of differences that will help you a lot, not just during the regular season, but in the playoffs. When injuries start to add up, the fact that you have guys like Kaut and Bowers and Ranta that are young players, all players that you have drafted and developed that can step in and play NHL minutes is just a huge compliment to the organization and the, the great work that they've done over the last few years building such a strong system, even as now they move into a more competitive window because you can realistically see Ranta making the team probably full-time within the next year, maybe two years from now. I mean, there's a lot of NHL players on the roster right now, but it's going to start to thin out eventually. Like, let, let's just entertain the idea, not saying this is going to happen, that Nichushkin walks at the end of next season or Burakovsky, for some reason, walks at the end of next season. That would open up another spot for Aranta to make the roster full-time. And the fact that these guys already look that good is really encouraging. And the fact that we have a Jean-Luc Foudy who looks fantastic in development camp and looks to be well ahead of schedule in his development, all of it is just so, so great. And just for this season alone... Again, even if none of Bowers, Kaut, or Ranta makes the team right out of camp, which they very well might not, 
And one of those guys could be like a 13th forward to make the team. But I'm talking like the for the starting lineup of game one, there's a very good chance none of them do. Even if they don't, the fact that we have them to back us up in our depth should injuries happen, and they will, it makes me feel really good about this team and that even if things start to go wrong, we have backup plans and just the depth to be able to handle it. And it makes me feel good about the playoffs as well because you need guys like that to step in during critical moments. And it's not that we didn't have that last season. We did. We never really got a chance to use it. But you look at teams that have made deep runs in the last several seasons, you sometimes need those guys to come up and perform right away for you. And I am very encouraged from what I've seen just from training camp so far. Maybe I'm talking way too soon. And once we get into a preseason game, my mind will change. But I I am very encouraged from just the past couple of weeks of development camp, rookie tournament, and now training camp, there's really just, just not to, nothing not to like so far. And before anyone asks, I will not be talking about Jack Johnson because I'm in a good mood and I don't want to sour that. So I will not be talking about Jack Johnson on this episode and I will not be talking about Jack Johnson until he is hopefully cut or unfortunately signed by the team. But until then, I have nothing to say. I will save all of that until the appropriate time, but... Uh, in terms of news, that's kind of it for the moment. I mean, the top line has been dominating as they kind of should. And the general gist that I have been getting is training camp has been very competitive for everyone, especially the top line, like I just mentioned, is has been working very hard. Drills and scrimmages have been very competitive. Everyone's fighting for jobs. It's just a good tone to set right away. And Again, nothing to not like so far. Everyone's working hard. Our guys that we've been watching, like Bowers, Kaut, and Ranta, are impressing. Our top line has come out firing already. People are fighting for jobs. Bednar seems to have everyone on the right wavelength right now. Nothing not to like at a training camp so far. We'll see how we stand after the first preseason game. Hey everybody, hope you're enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. Week 3 of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for Week 4 with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this one. If you head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any game, you can receive $150 in free bets instantly. That's $1 on any single game this week for $150 in free bets right away. And if DraftKings Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. And best of all, DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
or an Indiana 1-800-9 with it. And now, back to the episode. I can't wait to talk about that preseason game against Vegas for Thursday's episode, but for now, I wanted to move into my improvised season preview for the Winnipeg Jets and count this as our rundown for the rest of the Central Division. We've got two teams left. We'll be talking about Winnipeg on this one, and we will finish up with the Chicago Blackhawks, hopefully next week. I mean, it kind of works out that way, right? We're going to be playing the Blackhawks first, so it it will help that the last team we'll have in our heads will be the Blackhawks before the season begins because they'll end up being the most relevant. But for the Winnipeg Jets, I am very interested to watch this team this season. I think they're a team I'm putting a lot of stock into to make a big jump this season. They've been very mediocre for the past couple of years, ever since they went to the Western Conference Finals in 2018. They lost to Vegas in four straight games. Well, they, they lost in five. They won game one, and then they lost in four straight games. The next year, they were cup favorites again, or at least among the cup favorites. And then they ran into the Blues in the first round. The Blues would go on to win the Stanley Cup. They would knock aside the Jets in six games. Then the Jets lost essentially their entire defense. They lost Dustin Bufflin. They lost Jacob Truba. They lost guys like Tyler Myers and Ben Sherratt. That's the guy I'm missing there, too. They lost Ben Sherratt as well. And then they just kind of never did anything about it. And they kind of just went ahead with their depleted defense for the next two seasons and were a middle-of-the-pack team. And... They were able to get into the the bubble playoffs as, I believe, the eight seed and lost in the qualifying round to Calgary, or maybe they were the nine seed. But anyway, they lost in four games to Calgary in the qualifying round and really without much muss or fuss in that series as well. Last year, they were in the Canadian division early on in the season. It looked like they were going to be pretty good and they kind of trailed off towards the end, and Montreal in the second round. I mean, they swept Edmonton in the first round, which I don't know if that's a credit to Winnipeg or a knock on Edmonton, but Montreal really exposed them as just not being very good, and their lack of depth and lack of defense. And the thing that has held up the Jets over the last few seasons has been Connor Hellebuck, who has been one of the best goalies in the league for the last two seasons. He won the Vesna in 2020. He was a 9-16 last year in 45 games. And the fact that he was doing all that behind the Jets' depleted defense, it was nothing short of terrific. He was outstanding these last several seasons. And you put Hellebuck behind their now rebuilt defense, and that has the potential to be very scary because now the Jets have added Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt to the mix and it's not the best defense in the league. When I'm talking about them, I'm not saying that this defense is great, but it looks like a defense, which is saying a lot for them. They've got Josh Morrissey, Nate Schmidt, Brendan Dillon, Neil Pionk, Dylan DeMello, and Logan Stanley. At least that's what their cap-friendly depth chart says. At the moment, we'll see if maybe some guys switch in and out during training camp and during the season. But you look at it now, and I've said this a couple times before, but 
the Jets kind of drove me crazy the last few years because their offense looks good, as we'll talk about in a moment, and they have Connor Hellebuck, who has proven himself to be one of the best goalies in the league over the last few seasons, and they just had this absolute tire fire of a defense that just made no sense at all as to why they never really tried to fix it. Because I think if they actively tried to make some more moves on defense heading into last season, they could have ended up being a lot better. And if they just added a couple names or just some more depth, they could have at least given Montreal a run for their money in the second round. And who knows how things could have gone after that, because we know Montreal went on to to beat the Golden Knights and go to the Stanley Cup final. It just feels like a wasted opportunity. And now it looks like they finally have something here. Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon aren't the best defensemen in the world. Nate Schmidt was not great with Vancouver last year, but he was very good with Vegas ever being taken since then in the expansion draft from Washington. Even during his time in Washington, he was a very underrated piece that kind of got buried under guys like Brooks Orpik and Carl Alsner for whatever reason, which led to him being exposed to Vegas, and he had kind of lit it up in Vegas for a while. For a while there, he was their top pair guy, and just for whatever reason, it didn't work out in Vancouver. There was never really much of a fit there, and maybe it had something to do with being in Canada, and if that's the case, then that's not good news for the Jets at all, because he is staying in Canada, but I think he's going to have a strong bounce back year. Brendan Dillon is just a a solid defenseman. I don't really think he's much of anything special. I watched him plenty in Washington. There were several times where he was a scapegoat. There were other times where it's like, oh, wait, this guy's actually not that bad. He's pretty good. And we'll see what version of him he gets. I think they're probably going to get exactly that, the the up-and-down guy that sometimes looks terrible. But if you look at his his analytics are actually pretty good, and some nights he looks great, some nights he just doesn't look very good. Dylan DeMello on their bottom pair is a very underrated defenseman. He doesn't score, so which is why he doesn't get looked at. I mean, he hasn't scored a goal since 2019. He's gone now two full seasons without a goal in, what, over 100 games. He hasn't scored a single goal, but He's a very, very good defensive defenseman, and Winnipeg is going to be very good with him. Neil Pionk is a guy that's developed immensely ever since ever since they got him from the Rangers in the, the Jacob Truba trade, and he'll probably take another step this year as well. Josh Morrissey is kind of the guy that this is going to hinge on this year because he's the, the kind of guy that you get you look at his analytics and you're surprised by how bad they are. Because for the longest time, I just thought Morrissey was a, a pretty solid defenseman. And then you, you look deeper into his numbers, and they suggest that he actually has one of the worst contracts in the league. And I, I don't know how much I believe that. I don't have like a, a nuanced take on Josh Morrissey just because I don't watch him all that much. But we'll see what version of him they get this season. If he ends up being pretty good, this Jets defense could make a big difference for them. And the other big difference for them on their offense, at least this year, is Pierre-Luc Dubois, who they got in the Patrick Laine trade last season. And Dubois admitted, I listened to 31 Thoughts a week or two ago, where they had Dubois on talking about how he dealt with so much adversity last season. He said for the first time in his professional hockey career, first time ever playing hockey, 
he dealt with an injury that kept him out for a certain amount of time. There was also the very like public trade talks with him. He requested a trade out of Columbus. He never told anybody why. There was that video that came out while he was in Columbus earlier this season of him just completely dogging it on the ice and not taking it seriously and getting benched and dealing with torts. And then he gets traded to Canada. And we remember last season, the quarantine restrictions, he couldn't play after being traded for two weeks, which totally threw off his rhythm. And he just never really got it going by his own admission. He said that he just never felt comfortable. And he said for... The entirety of the offseason, he's been working on getting his game back, and he's all, he feels a lot better. He feels back to normal, and I'm betting with Dubois that he is going to have a huge season with Winnipeg this year now that he is used to the team, used to the players, and I think that's going to make a big difference for them. Having Shifley and Dubois as a one-two punch, which they haven't, they haven't had a solid one-two punch for a while. They brought in Paul Stastny for when they went to the conference finals, and he was very good with them. Then they lost him to Vegas, and then they brought him back from Vegas last season. He just a little too old at that point. They still brought him back this season, but he's more likely than not not going to play center now that they have Dubois and Lowry doing that as well. They can finally push Lowry down in the lineup and just... The fact that they now have that center depth as well as solid defense makes me think that this Jets team is going to take a big step this year, as well as continued growth from guys like Kyle Connor and Nick Ehlers, who are two of the best wingers in the league. They're not better than like guys like Rantanen, per se, but they're very, very good. And they're going to be another year older. Connor is 24, Ehlers is 25, and... Those guys fly under the radar a little bit. I, would, I wouldn't I would say they're underrated because I think people know how good they are. I think it's just because they play in Winnipeg, which in turn gets kind of ignored sometimes, especially for a Canadian hockey team, that they just don't get a ton of attention. If they played in maybe a bigger market, they would get some more national attention. But these guys are really really good very good goal scorers and puck distributors Kyle Connor especially just is a great great player he might even score over 40 goals this season in a full season before the season got paused last year in 71 games he had 38 goals and last year not as good I mean 56 games 26 goals is nothing to sneeze at actually now that I think of it that's really really good and might even put him on that same pace but Mark Shifley is going to be very good again this season. Blake Wheeler, another year older, especially if he doesn't have to deal with injuries like I think he did for a, a bit of last season. If I'm remembering correctly, Wheeler had to deal with some... No, Brian Little is the guy that had to deal with injuries, not Wheeler. But yeah, I really like how their team is constructed. There's a great mixture of youth and experience and now a defense and... Connor Hellebuck, if he is as good as he's been the last two seasons, and now especially with more defense in front of him, I think this Jets team is going to be a big, big problem. Not enough to unseat the Avalanche for for the top spot in the Central Division, but I think definitely at least to get a top three spot in the Central, which is nothing to sneeze at because the Central is going to be a very, very good division, as we know from all of the talks we've had 
with uh, the other hosts from the Hockey Podcast Network for the other central teams. This is going to be a good division, very competitive teams, and not a lot of of room separating them. I mean, we have the Avalanche number one, and it's kind of just one big mush in between, between two and six. Some people would argue two and seven and put Nashville in that equation. I don't think Nashville is going to be good, so I don't have them there, but some people do. But just for the sake of conversation, we'll say big mush between two and seven. Arizona is going to be last, but that just entire middle is really up for debate. And I think the Jets have a team here that can make a lot of noise and catch some people off guard. I looked at their their Stanley Cup odds. They had like the third worst odds in Canada to win the Stanley Cup out of all of the Canadian teams, which shocks me, honestly. I would say they're at worst the second best team in Canada, maybe behind Toronto in the regular season. And like Montreal had higher odds than them, which just that doesn't make a lot of sense for this season because they're not even as good as they were last season. And who even was the, like Edmonton and Calgary and Vancouver were above them? I don't care what you think. Like that is just wrong. That is just completely wrong. And I look at DraftKings Sportsbook, their odds, where are they on here? They are, okay, so they're above Vancouver and Montreal on here. They're below Edmonton, and who am I missing here? Okay, so on DraftKings Sportsbook, they are behind Toronto and Edmonton in odds. That makes a lot more sense. Well, DraftKings Sportsbook just has much better odds. I don't remember where I saw those odds. I think I, I think I just saw a tweet from like Sportsnet or something that put those out there. That made no sense. So them having the third best odds in Canada to win the Stanley Cup makes a lot of sense. I'd put some money on them to make some noise this season. I don't think they're going to unseat the Avalanche in anything that they do. And But those matchups between us are going to be very, very fun this season. I don't remember exactly when we play them again for the first time. We haven't seen them in a long time, but Winnipeg, if I can filibuster and look through the schedule here, not any time in 2021. It looks like our first matchup will be January 6th at home. We will host the Winnipeg Jets for the first time. And when do we play them after that? We will play them in our first game back from the Olympics at home on February 25th. Oh my god, we're going to play Winnipeg and Vegas back-to-back right after the Olympics. I hope no one's banged up after that, because that that could be a tough little back-to-back there. And the first time we're back in Winnipeg, it will be April 8th and April 24th. So both times against Winnipeg will be towards the very, very end of the season. We will not see them until... January 6th for the first time. I'm looking forward to seeing that matchup again because when Winnip- games between Colorado and Winnipeg end up being quite entertaining and I would not be surprised. I mean, I talked I said this with the with the Wild a few episodes ago and I feel more strongly about the Wild than I do about the Jets with this, but I wouldn't be surprised if we did see Winnipeg in the playoffs at some point as well whether it's against them as a wild card team or in the second round. I mean, maybe we'll end up playing both Winnipeg and Minnesota in the the run to the Stanley Cup, but I think this is a good team that's going to surprise a couple people this season that have kind of started to, to sleep on them. I think they have the offensive depth. They have the star power. They now have 
at least some semblance of a defense, and they have an elite goalie in net. I wouldn't say they really have anything better than the Avalanche, except for Connor Hellebuck. I mean, Connor Hellebuck is, at worst, a top-five goalie in the league, and maybe Kemper can be that this season, but we just don't know what Kemper is really going to be yet. I think Kemper is going to be excellent, but we just don't have a solid answer on that yet. Hellebuck is going to be very good, but the Avalanche... They have the advantage in star power. I would say they have the advantage in depth, and they would have the advantage on defense. I mean, even we say the Avalanche got worse this offseason, it's not really much of an insult because just the salary cap makes things tighter and the expansion draft. The Avalanche still have a very, very good hockey team, and they are still the odds-on Stanley Cup favorites for a reason. It's going to be hard for any team to truly top them in anything that they're doing, and the Jets are no exception here, but I still really like the team that they have put together here. I think they're going to make a lot of noise, and those games against the Jets this season are going to be a lot of fun to watch, and maybe in the playoffs as well, we'll get to that point with them. Should be very interesting to see. I like what they've put together here. I think they're going to be one of the better teams in the Central Division, I think maybe next episode I'll do like a big prediction show, or maybe I'll do that but closer to the regular season. But I think right now, I think I would have them in, in second. I think I've moved them ahead of Dallas now at a certain point because I just don't know what's going on with Dallas's goaltending to feel overly confident in them. But I think I would have Winnipeg number two behind Colorado. And I, I would have Colorado ahead of them by a little bit. I wouldn't really say it's going to be all that close not saying we're gonna like blow the entire central division out of the water in terms of where we finish but I think I think by the end of the season we'll be pretty comfortably ahead not to the point where we have to worry we'll have the central I think locked up before too late in the season but I do see the Jets getting that number two spot and I think they're gonna be a pretty good team I mean even look at their depth it's not great I mean they, they kept Paul Stastny around. They're able to bump Adam Lowry down in the lineup as well. And a newer guy like Christian Vasilainen, we'll see what he can do. Just a lot of inexperience, I would say, or just guys that are just okay in their bottom six, like a Riley Nash, injury-prone guy who's not really going to do much. A Jansen Harkins and a Luke Johnson. I mean, is Luke is Luke Johnson even a real person? I don't know. I've never heard of this guy in my life, or maybe I have. He's just been a been a guy that's been around and never scored a goal. I'm going to look at his stats. He has scored one goal in the NHL. That was last season with the Minnesota Wild. Was it against, was it against the Avs? Why do I have I might I'm not I'm there's no way I'd be able to find that out. But now that I'm looking at that, was it against the Avs that Luke Johnson scored his only? NHL goal. For some reason, now that I'm thinking about it, that name sounds familiar. And I might be completely wrong, but I feel like he might have. I don't know. Regardless, doesn't matter. But he's played three NHL seasons. He's played 32 games, one goal, one assist. So depth, not great. Nowhere near as good as what the Avalanche are going to bring to the table. But I still like what the Jets have built here. I'd rate them very highly, even against the rest of of the Central Division, and we'll see where they end up at the end of the season. I think that they're going to be a problem that we're going to have to deal with. And yeah, that's really all I have to say about the Jets for this upcoming season. 
hopefully for next Monday's episode, we'll talk about the, the Blackhawks and what to expect from them in their upcoming season. I also want to try to talk about Vegas and maybe bring on one of the Vegas nightly guys at a certain point, because, I mean, to be fair, we're playing Vegas three times, which is the same amount of times we'll be playing St. Louis, I believe. And I still think that if we're going to go and bring home that Stanley Cup this season, we're going to have to get through Vegas in the third round to get there at that point. If we want to get to the Stanley Cup final, I don't see anyone in the Pacific Division or any team that's going to get into a wild card spot that's going to stop Vegas from getting to at least the conference finals. Maybe I'm wrong. Playoffs are a very, 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 very long way away. We have absolutely no idea what's even going to happen this regular season, but just the way I see things shaping up right now, they're going to be an obstacle that we're going to have to overcome in the playoffs. So I want to get one of the Vegas Knightley guys on here at a certain point to talk about the Golden Knights and what to expect from them. But that'll pretty much only leave two teams left to talk about before the regular season begins. And we are getting ever so closer to that by the day. I mean, I told you guys this was going to come up fast. This is a mere 17 days away. By the time you're listening to this, we will be just 16 days away from the season opener for the Avalanche against the Chicago Blackhawks, and we will have a full 82-game season underway. I can't wait to get started, but for this episode, that's going to do it for this edition of the Teledabs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Thank you so much once again for tuning in, and thank you to all of the new listeners that have come on board over the last couple of weeks. This podcast has started to become ranked in a couple countries, including the United States. Last time I checked, we were 184 in terms of hockey podcasts in the United States, but we are obviously still ranked in the Netherlands and Sweden. Norway has also entered the chat as we are 57th in Norway. These numbers have taken a jump, surprisingly, over the last little while. So if you're a new listener, hi, hope you guys have enjoyed the show. And to everyone who has tuned in time after time again, I appreciate you all immensely. Just see, just seeing those numbers at all on any website just is is very weird. I mean, it's it's just it's just very weird to to look at to to even see myself on any of those lists at all. So thank you to everyone who tunes in whether you're a new listener or you've been here since episode 1. I appreciate all of you immensely. But thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Teledabs It Is podcast. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at GYoungsNHL. If you want to follow the show, it's at Teledabs It Is. If you want to leave a nice review, if you enjoyed the episode, feel free to do so on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from. It really does help the show out. But regardless, thank you so much for tuning in. I have been your host, Griffin Youngs, and I will catch you all next time. Enjoy the rest of your week until then. Thank you.